What is happening at Sherwood Baptist Church? <laughs> Other people in town are going to start talking, y'all. Something's going on at Sherwood Baptist Church. Praise the Lord. Don't stop praying. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, pray without ceasing. Paul was saying, don't stop praying. That's the title and the application of the message this morning. We could just fold up our Bibles and go home with that. But I want to talk you into believing it and applying it over the next few minutes if I can. If you have your Bibles this morning, I invite you to turn to Luke chapter 1. How many of you have had a very specific prayer powerfully answered at some point in your lifetime? Would you raise your hand? Look around the room. <clears throat> How many of you have had a prayer specifically? I mean, there's no explanation other than God did it. Answered the day you prayed it. It happened that day. Okay. How many of you have had a very specific prayer answered? It wasn't the day you prayed it, the week you prayed it, the month you prayed it, or even the year you prayed it. It was years later when you saw God answer that prayer. Look around the room. So did God hear you the day you prayed that prayer? Absolutely. Scripture says, let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season we will reap if we don't give up. God answers prayer. It has demonstrated in living color in every book of the Bible that God answers prayer. Throughout Christian history, you see God answers prayer. In this room, we could go across this room and spend weeks sharing stories of God answering prayer in our lives. Prayer can accomplish what a willing God can accomplish. There's no greater privilege for anyone than to be able to personally talk with and speak into the ears of Almighty God. It is a beautiful, mysterious, awesome gift that we can talk to God. There's not an issue that you and I are facing today that prayer and God cannot address because there's nothing too difficult or impossible for our God to handle. Abraham was given a promise by God, you're going to have a son through your wife. And he waited. Do you know how long he waited? 25 years. Long wait. David was anointed king by Samuel. But before he became king, he waited. Years, running from Saul, years. Joseph had a dream, but he waited 13 years before that dream was fulfilled. In the 1700s, John Wesley and Jonathan Edwards helped to usher in the great awakenings in America that radically changed the culture from rampant wickedness to a contagious pursuit of God. Their strategy included, included preaching God's word while calling believers to unite in sincere, extraordinary prayer. We hear about that. We hear about the Great Awakenings. We hear about God showing up in previous generations powerfully, the Holy Spirit showing up. Do you know how long it was between when Jonathan Edwards released his call to prayer before the Great Awakenings happened? At least 10 years. 10 years of praying and waiting. Praying, I hear no response. Praying, I don't see it happen tomorrow, the next day, the next month, the next year. Praying and waiting on the Lord. Access to our Heavenly Father is part of our identity in Christ. Ephesians 1 says, when you believe the gospel, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 3 says that in Christ and through Christ, because of his death on the cross, you and I, the veil has been torn, and you and I can approach God. We have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him, it says in Ephesians chapter 3. 
The book of Hebrews says, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now when I see that, Lord, in time of need, but what about when I pray and there's no response? Our prayers are not based upon our human performance. We don't have to stand a certain way. We don't have to beat ourselves with whips to get answered prayer. We don't have to cut ourselves with knives like the prophets of Baal tried to do in 1 Kings. We come to God based upon his grace, not our works. We come to God based upon what Jesus has done on the cross not based upon what we have done. That's really good. <laughs> we approach God not through our righteousness, but Christ's righteousness. And we pray not in our name or our authority, but in Jesus' name based upon his authority. So answered prayer is one of the greatest demonstrations of the power of God in any generation. People can argue with you about your beliefs. They can try to question your faith in God, but when answered prayer shows up, it silences the skeptics because they, there's no explanation other than God showed up in miraculous ways. I think about people who grew up in homes where they never saw answered prayer in the lives of their parents or their grandparents, or they never went to church and they never went to a praying church and they never saw answered prayer, and they think God doesn't really answer prayer. Having grown up in a home where answered prayer happened a lot, and having been at a church like Sherwood, where we've seen so many answered prayers over the last 20 years, I'm a satisfied customer that God answers prayer mightily, powerfully, specifically. I have been overwhelmed by the Lord many, many times because it was too, it was too precise to be an accident. It was to the penny what we were praying for that showed up unexpectedly. The timing was too precise. And to see how we prayed and how God responded has been overwhelming. I think back to my parents, so many incredible answers to prayer in their lives. No explanation other than God was showing up. I think back to when I was in 10th grade and I started praying for my future wife and writing out details about what I was praying for in a future wife. And I had no idea that that year she was an atheist in seventh grade and she began to believe in God that year. Fast forward to when I was a senior and we were praying for an evangelistic event happening at our church at Roswell Street Baptist Church. And at that event, I had no idea. We were in the back of the room praying for the salvation of those students. I had no idea that she was in the room and that night she gave her life to Christ. I, I just, I think back to even us coming to Sherwood and us moving to this city and the specific ways we have seen God work in this church. God is not Santa Claus. He can do whatever he wants, however he wants. He's sovereign. But throughout scripture, he invites us to pray. Jesus says, ask and keep on asking and you will receive. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. Jesus says, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? I remember coming to Sherwood and hearing about people being healed of cancer, hearing about God saving marriages. This morning, Cheryl and Ray, I was hoping they'd be here this morning, I remember Ray Morse can stand up here and share his testimony. His wife prayed for 15 years for his salvation. And she said God was working in her while she was praying for him. And then God saved her husband. And now he's been chairman of the deacons and uh, part of the vision planning team and served the Lord in teaching Sunday school. Radical intervention of God through answered prayer in this room. We've seen it happen again and again and again. All the movies were really 
a testimony of our inadequacy and ignorance and accompanied by God's answering the prayers of his people. I remember Alex, my brother, praying as a teenager that God would enable him to make movies, but God made him wait over a decade before it became a reality. Waiting, waiting, praying, waiting, nothing seemingly happening. And then when the time came, we still felt totally inadequate. We weren't ready. We didn't know what we were doing. And we prayed every step of the way. And I remember watching Facing the Giants in the theater thinking, that scene is a miracle. And that location was a miracle. And that championship game stadium was an answer to prayer. And that radio in the background was an answer to prayer. And those church members can't act. And them acting in this scene is an answer to prayer. (laughs) This is a miracle. And then we found out later the distribution was a total miracle because we were not trained and we didn't go to film school and that there were thousands of films coming out at Sundance with trained people who had money and they were not getting theatrical releases and a little $100,000 movie made in Nat County, Albany, Georgia is released in over 1,000 theaters across the United States and to find out later on what a miracle that is. And to find out that there were believers at Sony prior to that for years that were meeting for lunch saying, God, will you somehow use this company to advance your kingdom? Years they were praying in seemingly silence, but yet God was listening the whole time. God is amazing. And then the lawyer that we get, we find out, Messianic Jew, he said, my wife's family prayed for 20 years for my salvation before I came to Christ. You got somebody you're praying for their salvation? Has it been 20 years yet? Keep on praying. So in Luke chapter 1, we're going to read about Zacharias and Elizabeth this morning. And I want us just to pray and ask the Lord to, to have his way. So if you would, would you ask the Lord to speak to your heart this morning? Father, in Jesus' name, we give you this time and we pray your Holy Spirit will have his way this morning in every heart. Lord, would you open our eyes to the truths of your word? Would you cut away that which is not like Christ? And would you grow us into the image of your Son? And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 1, verse 5. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, There was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord, but they had no child. Because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. So when she was young, she was barren, but now she's past childbearing age, even if she had been fertile. So double whammy on them. Verse 8, now when he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot, (laughs) they drew straws, but God was in this, to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense, and there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. Verse 13, here's the key verse. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been answered. It's been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. Look at verse 18. And he will turn... (laughs) Many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and a power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Their son, son, John the Baptist, would become the forerunner of Christ. This reference, he will turn the hearts of fathers back to their children, is a reference to the last verse in the Old Testament. 400 years of waiting, and yet God picks right back up where he leaves off. Now I want you to imagine, 
If you're walking through our atrium at our church, two senior adults are walking by and she is pregnant. Amen. <laughs> so when Zacharias responds, verse 18, the Zacharias said to the angel, how shall I know this? He's like, what? I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. End of discussion. <laughs> And I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place. Because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. The angel said, the Lord has heard your prayer. Well, when did Zacharias and Elizabeth pray that prayer? It wasn't the day before. <laughs> it was likely decades before. They wanted children, that's a good desire. They prayed for children, that's a good thing. She was barren when she was young, now she's too old. They gave up at some point. Their requests and prayers had seemingly gone unanswered. All the evidence would say God wasn't listening, or he was unwilling, or he wasn't able, or he didn't care, and now it's too late. Months of waiting turned into years of waiting, which turned into decades of waiting. And now Zacharias and Elizabeth are likely old and gray, downsizing their house, moving towards retirement, looking forward to that senior citizen discount at Jerusalem's finer kosher restaurants. <laughs> and then unexpectedly, God shows up and interrupts him at work. Your prayers are going to be answered. The wait is over. Now think about this. They're good people. Who gave them that desire for children? Probably the Lord. Was it a good prayer they were praying? Yes. Did it line with God's word and God's will? Yes. But nothing had happened. Now, looking back with a greater knowledge of the bigger picture, we can see that God was in that desire. He was also in the barrenness and the childlessness. And he was also prompting their praying. And he was also in the decades of waiting. And he shows up at the perfect time. And he says he's going to answer their prayer now. And Zacharias is shocked because the delay of God had turned into weariness of prayer and ultimately a lack of faith. Does God answer prayer? Yes. Does his word say that we don't have because we don't ask? Yes. Now, does God always say yes to every prayer we pray? No. no. <laughs> we see repeatedly in Scripture, there are times when godly people are seeking God and God says no or wait or not right now. Do you always say yes to every request of your children? <laughs> no. <laughs> Do you love them? Sure. But you have to keep the bigger picture in mind. And I want to encourage you today to not grow weary in your prayer life. Amen. To not think that God's delays are denials. That his silence means he's not listening or unaware. On the screen, God's delays are never about a lack of awareness of our need. Jesus said in Matthew 6, your father knows what you need before you ask. He's more aware of the details of your true needs than you are. And some of you may be praying and have been praying for things to happen for years and you're growing weary. And the Lord wants you to know his timing is perfect. God's delays are never a lack of ability or resources. Ephesians 3.20, you're familiar with this passage. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or imagine. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's just as powerful as he's ever been. He can supply anything to anyone in any amount, anywhere, at any time. In Isaiah 65, I love this verse. It says, God says, before they even call, I will answer them. 
you're going to pray a prayer on Wednesday and God starts answering it on Monday knowing it needs to arrive on Thursday. He's way ahead of us. When Abraham's servant was praying, Lord, help me to find a wife for Isaac, on the amen of that prayer, he looked up and Rebekah was walking up. When did God start answering that prayer? 18, 20 years earlier <laughs> when she was born? God knew, before you ask, I will answer. Here's an interesting case study. In, the, in, the, in England in the 1800s, George Mueller, who led the Ashton Downed Orphanage in Bristol, took care of 10,000 orphans throughout his life. He did so without ever asking for money. He would pray in secret and then watch God provide in public. When he died, he had detailed accounts of 50,000 documented answers to prayer in his journals. His examples and teaching on prayer have blessed millions of people around the world. But what's interesting to me is that 5,000 of the prayers he answered were answered on the day he prayed them. 10% the day he prayed them, God said yes. But 90% of the time, he had to wait days, weeks, months, and years. He had one friend, 63 years, he prayed for his salvation. And when Mueller died, that man had still not come to Christ. But before Mueller's funeral, that man surrendered his heart to the Lord. 63 years of prayer. George Mueller said, do not let yesterday's seemingly unanswered prayers stop you from praying in faith today. Amen to that. God is never uncaring or reluctant to show his love for us. Romans 8 says, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how will he not freely with him give us all things? Some of you may have had earthly fathers, and they would complain and give you a hard time anytime you ask for anything. And you think God is the same way. And scripture communicates there is no sin with God and that he loves us deeply. And then God's timing is always perfect. <laughs> Our timing is way off. We live in an Amazon Prime two-day free shipping door knock generation. We're used to being able to download and hear any song we want, pull up and stream any movie we want immediately, Pull anything up on YouTube whenever you want to watch it. Order a DoorDash meal in a heartbeat. Order at Chick-fil-A and number one with extra Polynesian sauce. Pull around the corner and get it within four minutes. <laughs> and so we pray for something to happen, and we're conditioned in our American society to think that God should jump like a bellhop and have two-day free shipping option with Heavenly Prime account you know, for us. And just drone in the answer without us making, making us have to wait. Well, because his timing is perfect and because he loves us so much, he makes us wait. Sometimes he answers quickly, sometimes he makes us wait. Last week, I was not in Albany, I was in Kennesaw because a friend of mine, a young man who was in my middle school ministry, there, he was in sixth grade when I became a middle school minister in 1995. One of the sharpest, godliest young men I've ever known. He was in our wedding. His name is Zach. And in 2002, Zach began to pray for his future wife. And I prayed with him. He wrote out a detailed list of what he was praying for. And he began to date and court young ladies. And God kept slamming the door. There's the detailed list right there on the right. Everything he was praying for in a future wife. And I used Zach. He would run triathlons. He was a vice president of a company. Loved the Lord with all his own heart. He was uh, the only single deacon at First Baptist Woodstock Church. Awesome, godly guy. And I would use him as my example. I'd meet young ladies, you know, that are 23. There's no good guys out there. And I'd be like, I know a guy. Runs triathlons, he's 24 years of age, you know, a few years later, I know a guy. He's 28 years old, you know, I know a guy. He's 31, loves the Lord, you know, giving them single ladies hope. Well, last week, he got married at 38 years of age. 
she was the first one that was what he prayed for. And what he found out is that he had been praying almost 20 years for his future wife. And God heard every one of those prayers. Go to the next slide. She had her list. <laughs> She'd been praying for 10 years for him. He was 38, she's 28. Look in the middle. You can go to the next slide. They want everybody to know God answers prayer. There may be singles in this room, and you are weary. First, singleness is a gift from God. Jesus said it. The Apostle Paul said it. You're not second-class citizens at all. No, sir. God is enough, and even people who get married find out, Jesus got still got to keep me happy. <laughs> My source of happiness is the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, and peace. There's a lot of women in this room that's like, I thought I was going to marry happiness. It didn't happen. <laughs> the Lord is my source of happiness. God is never being slow. He's being patient. Look at this verse in 2 Peter 3. Do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient, is what it says. Not wishing for any to perish, but that all would come to repentance. Sometimes God is waiting on us to get right with him. God's delays are often because he loves us so much. Sometimes he could be saying, I love you too much to say yes to your prayer right now. James 4 says you don't have because you don't ask, but it also says sometimes you ask and don't receive because your heart is not right. Your motives are not pure. Mark 11 says when you're praying, make sure there's no bitterness in your heart. Forgive if you have anything against anyone because hidden sin could be blocking the way in your life. Now, I thought about it. If my son came to me asking for dessert for dinner and the freedom to go run watch his favorite movie but I know he hasn't done his homework his room looks like ground zero of a nuclear explosion and I've just watched him mistreat his younger sister I'm going to halt the yes on what his request is throw a penalty flag and talk to him and possibly warm up his constitution and bylaws with our board of education but because I love him, I may say, hold on on that request. Sometimes the willingness with God is there, but we're not right with the Lord or where we need to be. So in Isaiah 55, if you look at this on the screen, it says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. He knows exactly what he's doing. God also tests us and grows us through the waiting. Cheryl mentioned that this morning. She said, when I was praying for Ray, God was working on me. Waiting sometimes is the absolute best thing in the world for us because we're impatient and anxious and selfish and prideful and ignorant and immature and we lack faith and he wants to conform us to the image of his son. And he may be using that strong desire for answered prayer to motivate you to seek his face. In James chapter 1, it says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. One translation says patience. And let endurance have its perfect results so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. God says, I'm working on you. I'm making you more like my son. And in the waiting time, I'm testing your faith, Zacharias. I want to see, are you still going to trust me when I don't respond as quickly as you want me to? 
In 2010, our, actually 2009, our father, Larry Kendrick, we announced we were making a movie uh, about fatherhood, Courageous, and our father started hearing voices in his head, and he went into depression. He has multiple sclerosis. They're 14 times more likely to go into depression. And so we started praying. We started crying out to God. We had people from this church come and pray over our father. We started checking his diet and his nutrition. We had doctors looking at him. We're praying, God, any day now, Lord, bring our dad out of depression. He's been so strong for decades for you. Please bring him out of depression. And months turned into years. And I can say that in the last year and a half now, it's been almost 10 years, our father has now completely come out of depression. You know how many times, though, I would pray? Praise the Lord. You know how many times we would pray, though, and we would see God answer all these prayers about so many things, and there was this lingering, but what about this? What about Dad? Don't you, Lord, you love him. He loves you. Why? And yet, we grew in our faith in the Lord. We grew in our dependence on our perfect father. We grew in having to step up and not just always lean on dad for the counsel, where we had to get in the word and grow in the process. God was good even in the midst of all the waiting. God answers prayer with his global plan for all eternity in view. When he answers prayer, he's got the bigger picture in mind. Zacharias and Elizabeth wanted a child, but God was preparing the forerunner for the Messiah. And if he had answered when they prayed it, Mary may have been an infant at the time because there was an epic meeting that had to take place. When Elizabeth, the elderly woman with a miraculous uh, pregnancy, would be standing there with John the Baptist in her womb, the last prophet of the Old Testament, and Mary, with the Messiah in her womb, walking in the door, a young lady with a miraculous pregnancy, so that John the Baptist could leap in the womb. God knew when the timing needed to happen, when that meeting needed to happen, and he set up the whole thing and answered in his perfect timing. Isaiah 46 says, I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is no one like me, declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, things which have not been done, saying, my purpose will be established. I will accomplish all my pleasure, says the Lord. So God is inviting us into his epic plan. We think our lives are so small. Who am I, we say? Well, that's what Moses said before God called him to go deliver Egypt. Who am I? David said that. Lord, who am I? And then God calls him to a great task. Your life is not by accident. Psalm 139 says he formed you in your mother's womb. And every day of your life, he knew what was going to happen even before you were born. And then your salvation is a part of God's epic plan. Ephesians 1 says before the foundation of the world, he knew you. And he knew that you would be saved when you placed your faith in Christ. And it all would fit into his epic plan to the praise of the glory of his grace. Your life is a part of God's epic plan. We have small goals. God has a bigger goal. We're thinking about the temporary. God's thinking about eternal. And many times when we're praying for something, he's like, great prayer. That's going to line up with my word, my will. I'm going to say yes to that. But I'm going to fit it into the bigger tapestry of what I'm doing among the nations. And so I'm going to answer it over here. You're praying for a son. I'm praying. I'm preparing the forerunner to the Messiah. So, this morning, I want to challenge you to keep praying and keep trusting and trust God's perfect will and his precise timing. Jesus said, ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. James chapter 5, it says, be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. Be patient about it until it receives the early and late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. The Lord says, be patient. Don't give up. Don't grow weary in well-doing. 
Don't go re- grow weary in praying for the prodigal to come home. I've got a good friend I was texting this past week. He grew up in a Baptist church. He got addicted to drugs, ended up a heroin addict, lost his marriage, lost his health in the Atlanta area, and was suicidal. And his mama in Columbus, Georgia, and his dad prayed for seven years for God to wake him up and bring him back. And the Lord, in his timing, brought Andrew back, rescued him out of his addiction, and now he is serving the Lord mightily in ministry with his family. And God uses all those years of brokenness to turn around and redeem it for good and for his glory. This church has been praying for revival for this community for a long time. Has God been listening? Absolutely. Should we stop praying? No, we shouldn't. His plans for us are good. One of my favorite examples of persistence in prayer in this church is Pearl Vickers. In 1964, Pearl gave her life to Jesus at the age of 35, and she and her husband Richard at Sherwood Baptist Church began to pray for her older sister Mary, who lived in Long Island, New York. Pearl and Richard prayed for decades for Mary's salvation, but saw no evidence of any change in Mary's life. Anytime they brought up God, she was very resistant. I'm not interested in that. I don't want to talk about that. I don't need any of that. And then Mary's husband died in 1994, and she moved to Albany, Georgia, to be near Pearl and Richard. In 1999, Richard, who was a member of this church, passed away, having never seen Mary come to Christ. So now Pearl and her Sunday school class at Sherwood Baptist Church would pray for Mary. And she was very strong-willed, and she communicated, I want nothing to do with God. Eight years passed. In October of 2007, Mary, at 91 years of age, was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. She had multiple strokes. She started mentally fading, and they put her in at Phoebe Putney Hospital. March of 2008, doctors said to call in hospice care. Pearl stayed with her every day and continued to pray. And in April, Mary stopped eating. She became dehydrated, and she was carried into the emergency room. And that night, Pearl Vickers prayed at Phoebe Putney Hospital, Lord, be merciful to my sister. Then she called the church members at Sherwood and asked them to pray. She She said, I cannot stand to see my sister die without Christ. Mary's body was worn out. Her heart stopped beating in the emergency room. And she died in her bed at Phoebe Putney Hospital, having never trusted Christ. But the alarm went off in her room, and the doctors rushed in, and they gave her a shot that shocked her system and revived her. And at 10 p.m. that night, Tom Pollock, the senior adult minister at this church at the time, was laying in bed trying to go to sleep. And the Lord said, get up. And go up to Phoebe Putney Hospital and talk to Mary. So Tom and his wife changed out of their pajamas and they drove up to Phoebe Putney Hospital late that night. And they walked into Mary's room. Mary was unusually awake and coherent. She recognized Tom and she greeted him with these words. Tom, today I kicked the bucket. (laughs) Tom took her by the hand and he said, Mary, you know it's the late hour. Christ is still willing to save you. Don't you think it's time to give your life to Jesus Christ? She said, yes, I am now ready to do that. She then prayed with Tom and she gave her life to Christ. Pearl walked in and was told the good news and wept. Later that week, Mary died. For years, she had always had a sad, tired look on her face, but the hospice workers shared they'd never seen anyone with a more peaceful expression as she passed away than Mary. This story was a huge encouragement for the people in this church, and the church family heard the good news and rejoiced over what God could do, and Mary reminded people repeatedly, we just cannot give up and stop praying. Even after they die, God is not done. He can do anything, anywhere, at any time. So this morning, I don't know where you are in your prayer life. You may have had things years ago that you gave up on. And the Lord this morning may be saying, don't give up on me. I know what I'm doing. Some of you 
have put God in a box, and in your impatience, you pray on Monday. It doesn't happen on Tuesday. You say, you say, God must not care on Wednesday. There are some things God will answer immediately, quickly, speedily, but he is sovereign, and he keeps the big picture in mind, and he loves you, and he's asking you to trust him with the seemingly unanswered prayers. He knows what he's doing. Yes, he can say no, but he often says yes. He is a loving, loving father. And when we're praying according to his word and according to his will, we can trust him with those prayers. Sherwood Baptist Church, God has called this church to be a house of prayer for all nations and to trust God with his perfect timing. There have been many prayers prayed in Spurgeon's prayer room. There have been many prayers prayed in the Sunday school classes in this church. There have been many prayers prayed in this at this altar that have yet to be answered. But God is on it. And we should not lose faith. Let's pray together now. Father, in Jesus' name, we pray, God, that you would strengthen us. Your word says men ought to pray and not to faint. Help us not grow weary in well-doing. Help us to trust your faithfulness that's in your word. Help us to see your faithfulness in our midst. Help us to share with one another what you have been doing in our lives and encourage one another daily. Lord, would you continue to guide this church as we pray for the next pastor? Would you guide Sherwood in reaching this community with the gospel and touching the nations, impacting the world with the gospel? Lord, would you help us to get over our petty skepticism. You're giving us every breath we breathe. What is it going to take for us to trust you? Lord, I pray that we would today surrender our lives to your lordship. Lord, if there's anyone in this room that doesn't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, I pray today would be the day of salvation for them and they would turn from their sins and call upon Jesus, the name above every name, believing in his death, burial, and resurrection and that they would be saved. Lord, I pray for the believers in this room that are not right with you. If any of us have sin in our lives that is holding us back, holding us back and delighting in you daily, holding us back and praying in faith, holding us back and being a witness to those in our circumference of influence, Lord, I pray that we would throw it down. We would leave it on the altar. We would confess it to you and repent. Lord, I pray also for the believers in this room that you have called to do great things for your glory and they don't even know where to begin. Lord, help them to begin in surrendered prayer today and to trust you with their future. Lord, help us to trust you with our marriages, with our prodigals, to trust you with what you burdened our hearts with. Be glorified in this place, O oh God. Fill this church weekly with stories of answered prayer. And we pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Let's all stand and sing. The Lord is leading you to respond this morning and join this church or to make a decision for Christ or to ask a question or ask for prayer or even to come at this altar. As we're singing, we invite you to come forward and Come take a minister by the hand or come forward and pray. Just respond as the Lord leads you this morning as we continue to seek his face. Lord, hear our cry. Come hear our land. Breathe life into Open the blind.
So the Lord continues to speak and we continue to worship him in this place. Pray that if you haven't responded um, in this moment, that you would. Um, it's a relationship with the Lord that begins this process of seeing answered prayer. Can't do it without him. We also want to do that with you as a church love you we care about you there's so many people in this room that can testify to that we want you to be the next person out at our next steps desk if you have not uh, responded today but need to the lord's just really impacting your life he's, he's doing something right in here that stephen talked about in the beginning we would love to hear that we would love to be able to partner with you in growing that or beginning that relationship with the lord for the very first time out at our next steps desk that'll be located to your left and if you're joining us online, we thank you so much. We, we pray that just because you're watching a screen right now, the Lord is still working in your heart and your mind in this moment. You'll see on the screen an opportunity to be able to uh, follow up with us and connect with us as a church. We want to do that uh, with you. And so God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. As we close out our service, we'll see you next week. And as we close out our service today, just have a couple of more announcements. Um, first off, if you're new to Sherwood, uh, what a wonderful day to be here. Amen? Amen. We're so glad you're here. 
out at our welcome desk, which will be located to your left as you head out into the atrium here. We would love to be able to see you. We have a gift for you. Just be able to connect you, not only to worship services, but to small groups. There's so many things that are going on. Don't miss out. Give us an opportunity to be able to connect with you. We'd love to see you out there. Also, uh, if you're new to Sherwood and you've been coming for a little while and you would like to know a little bit more about the church, how you can be connected and go through our membership class, that is tonight at 6 o'clock in Joy 122, which is a hallway next to the welcome desk. We'd love to have you there, answer questions about the church, and we'd love to, to see you go through that class with us as well. Also, come back tonight. This was good, amen? amen. It's even better tonight. Come on back. We start at 5.30, House of Prayer. As we were just talking about prayer, House of Prayer starts at 5.30 in this room. And Pastor Stephen will be back with us tonight. I know you won't want to miss it. We'd love to have you back then. Also, we have an opportunity to act out prayer this week. In your connect groups, if you've already gone, you've heard our prayer video, don't miss that today. There are so many opportunities this week through VBS, Youth Camp, at the Hope Center, God is going to do big things. Whether you can't be there physically or not, you can be there in prayer. And we need you. Amen? We need you. Go and pray in your connect groups this week for us. God bless you. You are dismissed. Have a wonderful week. Hear us from heaven. Hear us from heaven. Hear us from heaven. from heaven.